This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. This is my house. This is my house. I'm taking over, okay? Stephen A. and the crew. Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Touchdown! It's a Sammy Watkins Palooza touchdown! Kansas City! According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpups. Touchdown Bullpups! No flags on the play! It is 99 yards right up the seam! The big play threat from a season ago does it again! Everything happening in the sports world. Personal file. 69. Offense. He was giving them the business. And even some things not happening in the sports world. I tell you, I thought this morning I wasn't going to make it to this <laughs> afternoon. I, I haven't had many mornings like that in a long time. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing. Another edition of According to Jim right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Or for those of you listening online, worldwide at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner. Joining me as always, the most popular man in the entire city of McPherson. He is very afraid of the cold weather that is rolling in. Mr. Steve Sell. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I just hope my teeth don't chatter. I've been freezing all day. You have a chill? I have a chill. What was the temperature in your home when you woke up this morning? Like 60. Nice. That's the way it should be. Brutal. Brutal. You wake up, your toes are a little tingly. I had a bunch of blankets on last night, trust me. Not a whole lot better than that. Yeah. Steve, do you know what today is? It's a football preview day. Bullpup football preview Thursday as we will take a look ahead at McPherson's matchup with the Circle T-Birds coming up tomorrow night. And I want to be able to dive into a little bit the scenarios, the playoff scenarios in terms of how the bracket can land and all the things that can go into that to get ready for the playoffs, which begin next week. So I want to talk about that during our Bullpup football preview. Is that all right with you? That's fine with me. Steve, game two of the World Series last night. Wow. If you're an Astros fan, you, you're searching for a panic button to hit, 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 hit. Well, I tell you, this, this was a shocking start. I really felt like the Nationals could win one in Houston, but I didn't think they'd win both. And now you have to look at it. Uh, you know, Houston was counting on four wins, two from Cole, two from Verlander. You know, that's basically kind of their game plan. Well, those two have both lost at home. That means they only have two bullets left to fire with those two guys. Houston has to win four of the next five to win the World Series, and it's not going to happen. I Whoa. No, it won't happen. Uh, Washington's going to go. I don't think they're going to go back to Houston. I think it ends in Washington. Wow. In what, five. What, what I, th- it- I think Houston gets one. And I think the Nationals close it out in five now. What is it, the first time since like 1933 that the World Series is being played in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, and I, it's fantastic. The old Senators. It's, Were you a big fan of the Washington Senators? I followed them when they had Frank Howard. Yeah. I don't know if you know who Frank Howard no. is. No. <laughs> Frank Howard was about 6'7", 280 pounds. He had wire, big wire rim glasses. But he had arms that looked like blacksmith. Played back in the 60s and 70s for the Senators. He used to hit like 45 home runs when they were really bad. I used to love that old Washington ballpark, though. That was a really neat uh, neat uh, stadium. But then they moved to Texas, I want to say in about 71, 72. To become the Rangers. To become the Rangers. And then the Expos moved to Washington and became the Nationals. So this is the first time Washington slash Montreal 
has been Montreal or however the French pronounce it. Montreal. Okay. But uh, anyway, it's the first time that the Expo slash Nationals have been in the World Series. And that game last night was stunning because it was a 2-2 game. In the seventh inning. In the seventh inning ends up 12-3. And Justin Verlander has now gone 0-5 in six World Series starts. Wow. So for all the greatness that Justin Verlander has, he's kind of got the Clayton Kershaw curse on him in the postseason. And the Astros are in huge, huge trouble. You brought something up that I always kind of forget about, and that was the fact that this Nationals team was the Expos whenever I was a little kid. Right. And, And the Nationals move happened early enough in my life that it's not that weird. Yeah. To me, I don't think differently of the Washington Nationals. I think they moved to Washington in 2005. But I can remember some of those Expos teams. Oh, the Expos had some great teams. Remember the Vladimir year that, Guerrero. You remember the year that the, uh, the there was a baseball stoppage and they just didn't, you know, strike? The Expos were, like, on their way to the World Series that year. They had the best team going. I think they had Pedro Martinez, among other players. That would have been the 94 year. 94 year. They had some incredible players. Uh, the strike wiped it out. I've always heard horror stories about the fact that Canadians, I, I know Toronto has a team, but especially Montreal, that they were very upset when they lost the Expos. Well, they only had themselves. For one thing, they played in a horrendous, two horrendous ballparks. They started at Jerry Park. And, and when they, you know, when they uh, began in 1969, it seated like 28,000. And then uh, they moved to Olympic Stadium. Yeah. And that place was an absolute dump. I mean, you know, the players complained about it. So they didn't have great places to play. And the attendance was horrible. Even though they had some good teams, the attendance was horrible. So they had nobody but themselves to blame. But uh, why I always like Montreal is because uh, a guy named Jerry Robertson pitched on the 1969 Expos. He was from Topeka. Okay. And Makes sense. his mother lived in Independence. Ooh. And he came down to see his mother, and he got some kind of toothache or something. And my dad was a dentist. Yeah. And she was she was a patient of my father. So Jerry Robertson went to my dad. And then the next time he came down, he brought me some baseballs. Nice. You know, National League baseballs, signed baseballs from the Expos. He was the guy that uh, when Montreal had their, like, 19 or 20-game losing streak, I can't remember what it was, he was the winning pitcher in the game that snapped the streak. And he, he was a starting pitcher that year for uh, uh, Montreal. Then he went to the Detroit Tigers. He got traded for after his first year. And then he hurt his arm and was never the same. He later became the athletic director at Washburn. Hey, there you go. So there's a little known, you know, fun fact for you. Can like you anybody te- cares. Yeah. Can you tell me, Steve, this is your Canadian trivia for the day. Can you tell me which province... Montreal is in Quebec. There you go. Look at you, Steve. Oh, I had no doubt. It's the only one I know. So. <laughs> oh, there's Alberta and Manitoba and some of those, but you, you got it. Quebec's the most popular. You're a Canadian man. Yeah, Steve. I've seen lots of different stories today about MLB managers being hired, all these teams making their moves. We have seen Joe Girardi being picked up by the Phillies, the former Yankees manager. Great move. David Ross being picked up by the Cubs. I think that was yesterday. Not so good a move. And then the interesting one that I saw today was Jace Tingler hired by the Padres. And you wonder why the Padres are always so bad. I mean, they make some of the strangest hires for managers any any you know, any franchise in baseball. I some of their man they had like Andy Green the last 4 years. 
they've got some talent on that San Diego team, but they floundered miserably. Eric Hosmer's, you know, when Eric Hosmer was with the Royals, he was a really well-known player. I mean, he was, but now he's with the Padres. Nobody hardly even knows what he does out there anymore. The other part of this that I wanted to bring up is there's still not a lot of movement for the Royals manager. We kind of forget that the Royals don't have well, a manager at this if, point. If you, read, if you read, you know, a lot of publications like I do, it sounds like it's a slam dunk for Mike Matheny. Right. I mean, there's been a lot of stories on the Stars website lately about Matheny. Uh, you know, he managed my beloved St. Louis Cardinals for a long time, had a lot of success, but he's a guy I just never warmed up to. He was just, he was kind of aloof. You know, he didn't handle the media very well. He made some moves that were very strange, but the Cardinals had such good talent, they kind of overcame, you know, whatever he did. So who is a name, obviously Mike Matheny's been thrown around, but who's another name that when you think Royals manager, you think, okay, this is the guy they should get. Is there anybody that stands out to you? Well, I'll tell you a name that's kind of been bouncing around. That's Carlos Beltran. Yeah. He wants to be a manager. He was a former, you know, former Royal. You know, he knows the town. He knows the lay of the land. I know he hasn't managed before, but uh, there's a lot of people said when he was a player, he was like a manager on the field. And look at the trend now of managers who have never managed before being hired. Two right. of these, two of these three are guys who are never hired. I mean, Joe Girardi would have not gone to the Royals. Let's face it. Now, Royals, I don't think that's quite yeah, his scene. Yeah, the Royals is not his scene. I think Joe Girardi's a great manager. He's won wherever he's been. David Ross to me in Chicago. That's a strange hire. It seems weird to me, too. He's a former Cub. He was very popular. But now he was just with the Cubs two years ago. He's going to be managing a lot of the same guys he played with. I think that's not a good move on the Cubs' part. But as far as other guys out there, I mean, you got your, your recycle guys. But it seems like the trend right now is guys that have never managed before. Who is a name for somebody that has played for the Royals in the last decade? Let's not say Carlos Beltran because that was 15 years ago that he last played for the well, Royals. Well, Frank but... White is too old now. Right. And and Frank, they missed the boat. When, you know, I thought Frank White could have been a great manager. What about like a Mike Sweeney? Don't know. I don't know what Mike Sweeney's doing these days. I think he just lives out in California and has like 1,200 kids. He has a ton of kids. Yeah, him and I, Phyllis Rivers. H- him and Rivers. They both just have a ton of kids. They could start their own football team. What? Sweeney could almost fill his own 25-man roster. <laughs> but any other players that you would think of that you go, okay, I think he would be a good manager. Joe Randa. The I, Joker. I always thought Joe Randa was a very cerebral player. He still lives in the Kansas City area. Right. What about somebody like Jeff Francoeur, who has been doing some color analysis yeah. on TV? I, I don't know. Frenchie. I, yeah, Frenchie. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the baseball IQ of some of these guys. Well, remember, Raul Abanez was a name that was thrown right. around several times right. during, during his later years. Yeah. I think that he was deep into the consideration for Kevin Cash's job down in Tampa. So I'll be interested to see what the Royals do. I just don't know if I'm sold on the Mike Matheny But I think thing. it's going to be Mike Matheny. But let's face it, the Royals aren't going to get a big name. It's going to be somebody that flies under the radar. I think Matheny's a big name. Yeah, he's big enough. World Series champion coach, yeah. manager. But there's a lot of there's a lot of changes this year. You had managers retire. Bob Brindley at San Francisco. I don't think they've filled their spot. And who was the other? There was one other. Well, Ned Yost was the other manager that retired. So, you know, the two that retired, they have not been filled yet. All right, Steve, let's take our first break. When we come back, 
It's time for a little Bullpup football preview, getting ready for McPherson to take on Circle tomorrow night on the road in the great city of Tawanda. We'll do that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, The Fieldhouse Grill and Taps, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Back on this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE, getting ready for another night of Friday Night Football. Another week of that, week number eight, coming up tomorrow night from Tawanda. And Steve, we begin our Bullpup Football Preview Thursday, getting ready for tomorrow night's game. And this is a weird one, and we had a chance to talk with McPherson coach Jace Pavlovich earlier today. And it's a really weird game because, number one, a lot of their minds are set on what's coming up next week with the playoffs beginning, knowing that they will very likely be the number one seed in 4A West. But also, there's no school today. There's no school tomorrow. It just feels like everybody will be out of a rhythm tomorrow. Well, this happens a lot. Um, uh, we have a lot of times during the school year where the kids either get out early or they're out all together. They're out all together today and tomorrow. Uh, you're out. You're kind of out of your routine. I know the coaching staff always tries to keep it like normal. You know, have practice at the same time. But uh, mentally, I just think it's it's hard for the players to check in 100%. And you're playing a team that you know you're probably going to manhandle. Uh, Circle uh, Circle has just one win. They've only got about what five wins in the last six or seven years. Uh, it's a team that we've just blown up uh, quite a bit the last few years. So I think the mental aspect is going to be the biggest part going into this game. Yeah, you mentioned that Circle has really struggled over the last few years. I always do this stat in my game notes saying that McPherson is 48-13 and 13 since the beginning of the 2014 season, or since the 2000, yeah, since 2014 season, and Circle over that same stretch is 4-48. and 48. So yeah. they have really struggled since then, and since 2012, only seven wins. And this is a program, like I talked about with Coach Pav, that last year it felt like they were starting to make their move forward. They had some guys. They were able to move the ball offensively. Defensively, they were still pretty good. But this year it has come back a little bit. They haven't been able to move the ball very well Can't at 124 score. yards per game. They've only scored seven touchdowns. Their leading rusher has like 123 yards on the season. Right. They are only averaging 32 yards per game on the ground. It's just a group that has not been able to move the football. And I think that this team took a big step forward in Week 5 when they picked up a win over El Dorado, a team that we saw come into McPherson Stadium and play pretty well. They won 25-12, outscored the Wildcats in the second half. But since then, a 48-3 loss at Bueller. And then last week, the one that I think really hurt this team's confidence, a 40-6 loss against the Independence Bulldogs and a team that, just like them, has really been struggling over the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, and, you know, we remember Independence from last year. They came up here and the Bullpups scored 60, what was it, 65 in the first half on Independence. So, uh, Circle, let's just, you know, being truthfully honest, they're not a good football team. This is a, te- this is a game – 
quite honestly, the starters should be on the sidelines basically with their shoulder pads and helmets off at halftime. Uh, it should be the JVs in the second half. It should be running clock in the second half. And it's all going to come down to focus. If the Bullpups come out focused, it'll probably be it'll be 45 nothing by halftime. So uh, this is a game, and, and you want to be sharp. You want a sharp performance going into the postseason. You don't want sloppy things like penalties, turnovers, things like that. Uh, and you want to get off to a good start. This McPherson team has started very slowly in several games this year. And uh, what has really helped them is the last three minutes of the first half in a lot of games, they have done a lot of damage in the last three minutes of the first half. Well, you were starting to get toward a point that I was going to bring up anyway, and that is this is a team that really wants to execute a little bit better. I think you used focus and sharp and come out sharp, but I think execution is the word that they have been using. And Coach Pav told me that they had a three-and-a-half-hour film session on Saturday morning after the 31-7 win. Just some little things that they want to be able to correct. Yeah. And when you look to the postseason, when you take a team like this that knows it has a chance to make a run, they know that there are some loose ends that they've got to be able to tie up, especially offensively. That was the part where they weren't quite as crisp last week and being able to tie up those loose ends and be ready to go when the playoffs begin next week. Oh, they've got to be better offensively. I mean, I, when you, I know that sounds strange to say. For a team that's averaging 41 points Yeah, they're averaging game. 41 points a game, but they're doing it in bursts. They're not really being real consistent. It just seems like they, the points come in tidal wave style. It's not just kind of periodically throughout the game being very steady. And maybe that's fine. Maybe, you know, they're an explosive team. Uh, but, you know, you talk about cleaning things up. You look at last week. You know, it looks like they score a touchdown. You look out there, there's a flag on the field that wipes it out. Things like that. Uh, unforced turnovers. You know, you don't, you don't want, you know, you don't want unforced turnovers and, and things like that. This is a team I still think their best football is ahead of them. I still, I still think offensively they can get a lot better. Um, you know, up front, remember you're starting three underclassmen in the offensive line. Uh, those guys have been, you know, a couple of them have been learning on the fly. And uh, I still think they can be a lot better offensively. Well, and Steve, as we take a look at what's coming up for the playoffs and scenarios, at this point, regardless of what Abilene does tomorrow night, taking on Ulysses, long trip out west to Ulysses, Abilene will be the 16 seed. They cannot right. jump up to 15. That's right. Circles the 15 that's right ahead of them, and so it would take a McPherson big win and then an Abilene big win as well. But even then, and, and the point too, differential is too, too much. And it's too bad Abilene 16 and circles 15 because you'd rather play somebody that's not seen you in the playoffs, I believe. I, I mean, I know some people say, well, you've already beaten this team really bad, and I think that's bad because you know you've beaten them bad. You feel like all you got to do is show up. I like the – you know that they, if they could play, who's fourteen? The fourteen seed is El Dorado. And okay, there's another team, the Bullpup. Well, obviously, you could look at the schedule. The Bullpups have played some of the tailenders in four A West this year. Is there, who's the first team uh, not on the Bullpups' schedule? Wellington at fourteen. Okay, yeah, I'd like to play Wellington. Although Wellington beat Winfield last week, so. right? But uh, you know, if you play one of those Abilene Circle El Dorado, I mean. The mental aspects can be very important. Well, if McPherson wins, they will be playing Abilene. And even if they were to lose by, let's say, 13 and Andover Central win by 13, they could still be the number two seed since Andover Central is 6-1. and But if McPherson wins, it does not matter the score. They would be the number one seed. The number line where we continue to watch and try and figure everything out. We're doing equations. Steve has his calculator out. 
is that 8-9 line. And it's right. just like the NCAA tournament bracket. 1 versus 16 would match up with the 8 or the 9. And currently, the 7 seed is Augusta at 3-4. and four. Goddard is 2-5 and five as the 8 currently. Independence is the 9 at 2-5. and five. Coffeeville is the 10 at 2-5. and five. Rose Hills 2-5. and five. You there have seven are, uh, teams at two and five. Very likely, the eight, nine seeds will be three and five. And there are a lot of teams that can get there this week. Yeah. And, of course, the, the big hope is staying away from Goddard. I mean, I know their record's not very good, but they've got tradition. They beat the Bullpups last year. I don't know. Maybe the Bullpups would want to play them and avenge that loss, but I don't think so. Uh, they've, got, they've still got too many good players. And the score that has to really scare people is, is they only lost by seven points to May South, which is undefeated in Class 5A. And held them to seven. It was 7 nothing. Right. I, that was a really strange game. As for the top of the bracket, so far things have worked out pretty well for McPherson. That Andover Central is currently the two seed. Very likely will stay that yep. way. And then Bueller and Winfield are battling for the number three spot. And, of course, and Ulysses can week. get up to five and three as well. And they're battling for that three spot, and they are playing – down at Winfield, both those teams are coming off of losses last week. Bueller with a, a struggle loss against Hayes, seventeen to seven. They had seven turnovers in the game, six interceptions. Winfield lost to Wellington, who came into the week one and five. So both of those teams are trying for redemption in the final game of the regular season. Yeah, and I like Bueller in that game. I just think Bueller's got better players. You know, having seen both teams, I, I just think Sam Elliott's going to be the difference. I really like that running back from Bueller. I think he'll go for over 100 against Winfield. So I look for Bueller to be the three, Winfield the four. That puts them on the bullpup side of the bracket. And then, of course, eight and nine. Uh, can Goddard move up to seven? How, what's the possibility of Goddard moving up to seven? It's not very good. Okay. Because there's a very good chance that Mulvane wins and would be four and four. They play Wellington. Okay. They are favored they're in that win. game. Yeah. Augusta is the favorite in its game. I believe they are playing El Dorado. Okay. And they would get to four and four. Right. Goddard is so Goddard's Goddard's probably locked in that eight spot almost. They're pretty much going to be the eight, nine, or ten. Okay. And there are a couple of scenarios where they fall to ten. That would include them losing, and then a couple of other wins around them, including teams like Rose Hill. I think they would need Independence to win. There's a couple of scenarios where they get to ten, but I would say if we're playing the odds game, the percentage of them being eight or nine is like seventy percent. Yeah. So. You're probably looking at Goddard coming to town in t- in two weeks, uh, in the eight nine matchup. So or one eight matchup, I should say. And it is always fun. I know that we are looking ahead, but it's fun when you have a chance to look ahead and be preparing for games. And it, it's a great and that's something place the coaches have to do. They've got to not only pre- let's face it, the Bullpups coaches are probably right now watching a lot of Goddard film because they know what Abilene is. They they've seen Abilene. You really don't have to watch a lot of film on Abilene. So they're really looking at Goddard right now. All right, Steve, let's take our final break. When we come back, we'll preview a little bit of what's coming up today, talk a little bit about what's coming up tomorrow. We'll do that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, the Fieldhouse Grill and Taps, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. 
You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Ramping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM KBBE. Steve, you know what we get to do today? We're going down to Central College. We're going to cover some basketball today. Yeah, we're going down to Central and watch... uh... Central Christian College women, I didn't even realize until recently, they are opening today, and they also play at home tomorrow. And then I think the Mac College women open tomorrow tomorrow on the road. In Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Right. So basketball, man, basketball has just gotten here really quick. It feels like it's gotten here really quick. We've both seen a little bit from each of the teams. We've seen a little bit from the Bulldog men and women. We've been able to talk with the coaches, see them practice a little bit. We have seen the Tiger men. We actually saw them scrimmage a little bit earlier this week. Right, against but Southwestern. This is first real game action. Yeah. And, and it's good to have basketball back. And it kind of reminds me that we're almost at the end of the high school fall sports season with the exception of football, which will be coming up potentially next week. That could yeah. be the end of the high school and sports season. The, the volleyball season could end for some teams this weekend. Uh, Substate volleyball, if you go to midkansasonline.com, uh, I have all the pairings of all of our – McPherson High and the area teams, you won't find that anyplace else. We're the only ones that do stuff like that. So we've got all the pairings up for for that. And then, uh, of course, back Bulldogs this weekend. They're on the road to St. Mary. We won't be making that trip. But You don't uh, want to go up to Leavenworth? Uh, no. We can make a stop by the prison. You can see all your old buddies. Oh, all my old friends, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I've got several guys that I know that are up there. But uh, trap game for the Bulldogs. Uh, St. Mary's winless. The Bulldogs also play first place KW next week. And like I wrote in my story, it's the first time that they, they've risen to the level where they can have a trap game because, you know, the program's really been down. But Coach Fiscus has it back up. Steve, and you wrote a great column at midkansasonline.com yesterday talking about the Bulldog football team. The only really other team that we've got going tonight, Bullpup Soccer, on the road at Great Bend. That'll be a tough game. In what should be a great environment that, that there. Is, that is a great game for the Bullpups to have going into the postseason. I think Great Bend is like either a spot behind them or two spots behind them. Well, they're 8-7. and seven. In, in 4A West. yeah, 5A West. 5A, I'm sorry, 5A West. 5A West is kind of top-heavy. There's four teams, and then there's kind of everybody else. Right. So uh, there's a couple undefeated teams, I think. Somebody with one loss and then the Bullpups with two losses. So we are very excited to see what they'll be able to do. And hopefully, well, at this point, as long as they win, they will host two regional games at home next week. And the thing that makes 5A soccer so much tougher than 4A, and like it is in any sport, they've got a chance to match up with a fairly decent Valley Center team in the first round. And that's what just makes 5A so tough is that they could be the three or four seed and have a very tough first-round opponent. And remember, soccer is such a strange sport. You can outplay a team for 79 out of 80 minutes. If you have that one breakdown, that other team can pack it in and keep the game at 0-0 and then somehow maybe get some fluky thing happen and win. But uh, this Bullpup team has a lot of experience. They've got eight seniors. They who Many of them have been starting for three years, maybe some – Played as they're a freshman, but it's the, probably the most experienced team Coach Adrian's ever had. Steve, tomorrow on the show we have fearless forecaster predictions as well. We'll talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and their matchup with the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. Jayhawks. The Kansas Jayhawks are playing tonight, right. taking on mighty, mighty Fort Hayes State. Yeah. 
No Kai Kinnaman, though. No, that's going to make things very, very tough yeah. on, on the Tigers. If they had him, give me the Jayhawks. <laughs> you think you could put money on Fort Hayes State against KU out in Vegas? I don't think so. I think you should be able to. I, I bet to. it's off the board. Yeah, we'll just do some underground gambling there. Wrapping up today's show, for Steve Sell, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll talk to you tomorrow. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union. The Fieldhouse Grill and Taps, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE.